watching all movies with Rebecca and Jason. Are you gonna love them or hate them? Here comes the binge. Hey everybody, welcome to the binge, in which a couple of homos review the latest movie theater releases. I'm Jason Leroy. And I'm Rebecca Olarte, and today we're gonna do something just a little bit different. Uh, we are on the cusp of fall movie season, mm-hmm. leaving behind the August trash f- fire <laughs> garbage picks. Um, that is the happy happy time murders. Woof! Wow, I'm still I'm still shook. Really upset about that. Yeah. Uh, and we are um, about to say goodbye to Jason as he goes to Canada, like he does once a year to go to TIFF. Ding. Um, mm-hmm. And then we won't hear the end of that. Yep. It's just it's a cycle of terribleness, really. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, <laughs> and you're all along for the ride. Yay! We're gonna do some of our uh, picks of the best movies of the year so far. Um, because that's how the year is weighted in movies. It's um, half of the year is until August, because then the the last quarter of the year technically carries the weight of at least half a year. I can see you're doing the equations in your head. I can. I'm see. doing a pie chart with my she's, arm. She's gesturing at a whiteboard that is not there. Mm-mm. But if it can were, we, can we get a whiteboard? Right it would here? still just be nonsense. Nonsense. Just gibberish. But yeah, no, it's true. Most critics do their mid-year list in June. Um, which, you know, might make sense in terms of, you know, dividing 12 months and half. Mm-hmm. Um, but doesn't make sense for movies because we all know the real divide for movies comes between August and uh, September. Mm. Um, when just like that, lickety split, you go from just absolutely dismal, shitty comedies and genre releases to prestige films. Uh, usually starting as soon as the first weekend in September. I'm, I always think back to a few years ago when it were The Light Between Oceans was like the kickoff movie for fall movie oh, season. Oh, the one with the baby. The one with the baby. And all those sweaters. So many sweaters. That uh, movable kinfolk oh, uh, advertisement. Gorgeous. Hmm. And it was like, oh, just like that. It's fall movie season. And um, and as Rebecca mentioned, I am going to be heading up to TIFF. It's going to be my fifth year going, which wow. is nuts. Are you going to come back this time? I mean, I always think about staying. That's for sure. And certainly in the last few years in particular. Um, but uh, we'll see. We'll see if I make it back, if I make it to my flight. Last year, as um, as you might remember, I fled the country thinking I couldn't pay my hotel bill. Mm, so right. hopefully they won't hold that against me uh, when I try to return this time. I forgot about that. That was tough. Um, and uh, but Did yeah, you ever pay it? I did. I did. The amazing thing was that despite the fact that it went over my credit limit on my credit card, um, the transaction still went through. Um, with no issue at all. Was it so like an overdraft? Can you overdraft on credit cards? I was like, I was thinking it would just get declined and I wouldn't be able to cover it. And so I just fucking fled. I just bolted out of the country like a criminal back to my own criminal country. Wow. Um, so I'm just like... Not like a criminal, as a criminal. As a criminal. Okay. Yes, yes. I guess, yeah. It was, it was a literal, I was a criminal fleeing Canada uh, because I could not pay my hotel bill. After having spent 10 nights at the Toronto Hilton. Can you please not ruin this for the rest of us who might need to go to Canada at some point? I know. I'm like going up there feeling all good about myself. Like, oh, I'm going to be here to be a good American example in these dark times. And then what do I do? Walk out in my hotel bed. <laughs> blame an immigrant. No, I didn't do that. Um, that would have been completing the circle. But there, I'm the immigrant. I am. Um, and so and then I <laughs> made, made the whole situation worse for everyone involved, really. But... Uh, this year, I am making sure that I do have enough credit limit on a credit card Good to cover job. my bill. And I'm not just walking into it like I'm doing the whole thing with Monopoly money, uh, just because my company happens to pay for it um, afterward. The thing is, 
I have to pay for it first. At the time. I thought you they would overcompensate back. by actually rolling in with like a suitcase full of money and just paying <laughs> right. in cash dollars. Sure, sure. I mean, that's definitely an option that I will consider. Or loonies. Or loonies. Oh, precious. Mm. It's a precious name. Precious currency. Precious cargo. Um, I have a few movies I'm looking forward to seeing at TIFF this year. Um, there is a new movie from Steve McQueen called Widows. Mm-hmm. There's a new movie from Barry Jenkins, uh, If Beale Street mm-hmm. Could Talk. Uh, not to be confused with If These Walls Could Talk. Right. Um, not to get you all riled in that particular direction. There is a new film from Damien Chazelle, First Man. So we once again have a Chazelle Jenkins showdown on our hands oh, no. for award season. Going to bring out the best in all of us. And and the and there's going to be a hard stop at the show. So if there was a hard stop at the Academy That's Awards, right. the year that that the whole um, yeah. Chazelle Jenkins, it would have been a YouTube extra. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, now I'm now I'm on to you. But interesting. So we're going to have another one of those. Um, we are going to have uh, new movies from, so we have, of course, Bradley Cooper's remake of A Star is Born starring Lady right. Gaga. That should be interesting. Something. Um, and uh, I'm very excited for the new movie from Marielle Heller, who is a rare director of Diary of a Teenage Girl. Mm. Um, she has a new movie coming there called Can You Ever Forgive Me starring Melissa McCarthy. Oh, right. So um, doing a non-McCarthy uh, broad comedy vehicle. Oh, man. Yeah, but so she, as we know, in need of redemption after Happy Time Murders. So hopefully that film will provide some for her. I'm upset with her. I mean, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, you, you can't help but blame her somewhat because she clearly, you know, her presence made that movie get made. It really did. It added an amount of um, completely bogus credibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like you, podcast, you know, career aside, you would have seen it because of her, mm-hmm. and you may not have seen it if she was if she wasn't in it. Right, like if it had been like Kevin James playing that role, I would just have never seen it. Which is, of course, the next association that you make. <laughs> I was just trying to think of like the least appealing comedy star who would potentially star in that kind of right. role. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And um, as like Kevin James, I would never see a Kevin James movie. Yeah, um, this is on her. Yeah, she in you know in Maya Rudolph a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Real tough, real tough. So Mary. Melissa McCarthy knows what she did. She knows what she must atone for. And hopefully this movie will be enough to pull it off. Uh, So, yeah, just lots of exciting stuff that's coming. And I am gearing up for my 10 days of just absolute torture um, around the clock. Nonstop anxiety, endless lines, endless blowhards pontificating in said lines about their thoughts on movies Mm. that no one asked them for. And yours truly will be doing his annual tradition of tweeting my little capsule reviews about each film right after I see it. So go ahead and follow me at XSFaggage on Twitter uh, to see what I am thinking as I am shuffling furiously out of each screening and running helter-skelter into the next line, eyeballing angrily anyone who gets in my way. So that reminds me of another thing that was upsetting about Happy Time Murders is um, the two people next to us when we were watching it, they were doing a little like um, Mm. Snapchat, Periscope, like, hey guys, we're like in the theater right now about to watch Happy Time Murders. And like... um, They were old men. Yeah, that is part of it. First of all, these were middle-aged men. Mm -hmm. And they they were really into how um, online they were. They were really, they had a lot of uh, excitement about it. And I was I'm picturing you doing that. Um, <laughs> and in my head, I laughed. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm here. At the, oh, wait, it's starting. Fuck. Uh, 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 <laughs> like, circuit on the car. Right. <laughs> it's like the rustling sound and the camera falling <laughs> to the ground. 
<laughs> hey, is this the guy who skipped on his hotel bill? No. <laughs> no. And then uh, you get the, the little pitter-patter of right. your feet. As you <laughs> car door open, car door close. <laughs> yeah. It's like, he just stole my car. Right. Oh, my God. He just drove off a bridge. It's like that video yeah. that it's like a dog steals someone's phone out of their hand. And you just watch this dog run around with the dog with the phone in their mouth. That's exactly what give it's it like. Give it back. Give it back. Right so, uh, so yeah, so also look out for my, my vlogging <laughs> debut. Look out for my, I'm going to Facebook Live every movie that I see. I'm very excited. Or, you know, you could use, yeah, Facebook Live is perfect. Um, <laughs> so we picked 10 here. Jason, uh, was it easy for you to pick 10? Um, you know, it's always, since we're always so caught up in the week to week, um, it's always interesting to sit back and look at like, okay, like what have I watched so far this year? Mm. And what did I really like? And what am I still thinking about at this point? And um, so, and I feel like every year, it's usually still like this by the end of the year too. There's always like, I can, I can pick 10. There's usually only five or so that I'm like really, Mm. really passionate about. Um, But then another five that I also am a big fan of. So for me, it was not super challenging. And, um, and, but I, you know, and I was tickled, you know, I I like, I like thinking about movies that I like. (laughs) What about you? Um, So I made my list at work and then I, um, in a tizzy I deleted the file and but I was like I'll I'll remember and then I made the list again here before we started and at both times I came to a hard stop at six and then I this time I like went back through like all the movies that were released this year because we had Mm -hmm. a couple of episodes that like didn't make it um because they were deleted by accident and then some on purpose um (laughs) and then some movies that I didn't see at the time so I'm looking at the review and I I didn't do it but maybe I Mm -hmm. saw the movie later and so I was like let me just double check and like I still pretty much had a hard stop at six did our does our shared calendar still list the ones that we that we deleted Mm, it might because that's what I used for my reference. I wonder if there's anything on there that I really liked. I think mm. I remember there wasn't. I don't think there's anything I was too crazy about those those weeks that got lost. Mm. So I stand by my list still. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, all right. So let's start off with uh, one that was a uh, uh, one of your favorites on your list, um, which is Eighth Grade. Eighth Grade. Yes. And guys, by the way, the way that we're going to do this structurally is um, uh, we are going to go through four uh, in which we are in agreement. Then we're going to have one where we disagree. We're going to fight like cats. Yes, your favorite. Yeah. Um, and then four more we agree. And then we'll close on a note of discord as we're wont to do mm. uh, with one more disagreement. Um, so this first one, yeah, is eighth grade, uh, which is the writing directing debut of Bo Burnham. And uh, this is a film that I can say confidently will also be on my end of year list. Wow. So, uh, which I think I'll probably say about the ones, this, this is one of the ones I feel, this is one of my asterisk star top titles of the year. Uh, is This is just a really profoundly human comedy with a great insight into, um, into human nature, into human frailty and vulnerability. Uh, terrific natural performances, feel super modern, super plugged into the current moment, um, both in terms of what it's like to be um, a tween in the current moment. And also the current moment in a larger sense of what it means to live with constant anxiety and fear, mm. uh, which is what Bo was channeling uh, when he wrote this story. Elsie uh, Fisher gives just a s- absolutely stunning star turn. First performance as lead character, Kayla. Uh, Josh Hamilton is her dad, um, should be in awards conversations for the supporting actor uh, role. 
it's just a great, great fucking movie. And I'm so glad that it, its response was generally very positive as well. And it seemed like it found the audience that it deserved to find. And I'm really happy about that. I still haven't seen this one, um, but I have no reason to disagree with you um, at all. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, See, I sometimes I'll one. try to find one. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's always one. It's like, well, have you seen Skate Kitchen? Because that's also about tweens. Um, but no. Not this um, time. Excellent. So let's go on to movie number two, which is also one of your uh, top five, uh, which is Tully. Tully. Uh, so Tully, which uh, some of you might remember, we had a friend on the show mm-hmm. who herself is a new mom of several little ones, and uh, and we brought on the show because she had heard through the local mommy vine mm. that Tully was going to be this very offensive movie that was going to get being a mom super wrong, was going to make light out of um, postpartum depression was going to sexualize a doula character and make her a sex worker. Um, To which all I can say is moms be crazy. (laughs) Oh, no. It's the point of the movie, and uh, and it it came to bear in that commentary. Uh, But uh, but no, so then we brought Katie to a screening of the movie, and she was happily, happily to report back to the moms that none of those things were true about it. That it was actually incredibly respectful and hard hitting mm. and and raw and authentic in its depiction of uh, postpartum uh, depression and its, its depiction of just the daily sludge of raising small children um, and uh, you know and that the doula character is indeed not a sex worker so which is just the easiest one to disprove it's like well no just not true <laughs> just doesn't happen the rest is a question of tone and point of view I guess but uh, but no uh, she <laughs> felt very represented by uh by what she saw in that movie and i think it's you know when uh when charlie's theron and diablo cody and jason reitman get together uh so far they're two for two uh young adult and now tully uh it's in it's charlie's i hope will also be considered for end of year con- uh consideration mm, for best right. actress so terrific in this i think diablo's script should also be considered uh so this is this is just a film that i enjoyed and and you you saw this one yeah i agree with you here um definitely one of the first movies of the year where i left and wanted to see it again Mm. um it's interesting it's weird it's um it's uh has a what what did she call it at the end an okie okie doke yeah (laughs) um that you don't expect and it doesn't make you feel like it was obvious um and it's hilarious Mm-hmm. Um, and it isn't full of itself and you know, the characters are relatable and Charlize Theron both emotionally and physically gives it her all. She really does. And this is another asterisk title for me. This is another one that I feel will quite possibly make my top 10 at the end of the year. Let's go on to the third movie, which I think, I wonder if this will also mm-hmm. asterisk get out at the end. <laughs> Won't you be my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I should also know at this point that we're not reading these in any particular order. Uh, so this is not ranked top to bottom. Mm. Um, although it could be, I don't know. Uh, so far, I'm just like, well, you know, maybe, maybe. Won't You Be My Neighbor is a film that mm. we did not review on this show. No. Uh, because I believe it came out a week that we were off. I think it was maybe while I we were both traveling at the end of May, early June. Uh, but, you know, this is one of those, this is a movie that kind of, in a way, I was not excited to see because it premiered Sundance and the feedback about it sounded like the same things that you see on Facebook when people post like an Upworthy article 
Uh, and they're like, You've been oh. seeing my Upworthy posts? I tried hiding it, but it keeps finding a way through the algorithm. Can you imagine? Um, so yeah, that kind of thing where people, it's just like cry porn, you know, where mm-hmm, like, wait mm-hmm. till you see this dog's face when his... Don't even, don't finish oh, it. Don't worry. I'm don't sorry. finish I'll it. I take it back. I take it back. Wait till you see Not this today. baby's face. Okay, yeah. Um, whenever their dad came back from military service for the first time and, you know, like those kind Report of things... Report is spam. That are just... <laughs> <laughs> reporters hate speech. <laughs> um, reporters pornography. It is the kind of that thing. That baby has a Hitler mustache. <laughs> and, the funny, and it is a pornography of a kind. Mm-hmm. It is. It is emotional pornography. And so I don't go after things that people say are like inspiring or like, oh my God, this made me cry so much. Um, I had a, a, a disagreement about this with a friend I was visiting in Portland recently because she insisted on telling me a story about one such video about like, a girl who'd had who couldn't walk and then she had surgery and she could walk for the first time and i kept trying to stop her i'm like don't i don't want to i don't want to hear the story you're like i don't care if it's your story yeah (laughs) shove it i'm like listen if it's on social media i don't care uh you know like keep it between us um but no and and then she got very upset and started to cry because she was like this meant a lot to me to watch this video and i was like i appreciate that i honor that that it meant a lot to you? I think you're like, yeah, I honor that. And you're like, but you're fucking dumb for liking it. <laughs> I honored that stupid shit thing you like. <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I was like, I honor the emotions this brings out in you. And I am fine with that. However, this does nothing for me. And it actually, not only does it not take me to a good place, it takes me to a bad place. Um, I'm so, trying to think of what's the one that would get you. It's like, you'll never imagine with this drag no, queen. As soon nope. as I see okay. any headline that starts with you'll never, any clickbaity headline, like had the perfect shutdown or any of that dumb shit. I, I automatically turn, I just keep scrolling. I, yeah. I can't look at it. And I judge anyone who posts it. I will say that right now. Mm-hmm. Anyone who I see post it, I judge. Um, so um, that was the kind of things we were saying about, won't you be my neighbor coming out of Sundance? Like, oh, you'll cry so much. And as we've discussed in this show, I cannot cry. Mm-hmm. And um, and this is something that I have a lot of insecurity about. And so I think it all comes down to that. That it makes me feel, it reminds me of my inferiority um, around being able to express that part of the emotional spectrum. And then how that makes you lash out at your friends. Exactly. Okay, exactly. You mm-hmm. fucking bitch. And um, <laughs> so, so that's how I felt um, when I first was reading about Won't You Be My Neighbor. But then I had the opportunity to screen it. And it took me to not only did it not take me to a place where i got cranky and bitter it took me to like the happiest mental space that i have been in in like well probably a year and a half (laughs) um it is the story of course of fred rogers mr rogers and mr rogers neighborhood pride of pittsburgh where i'm from Mm. and uh and it doesn't seem like the kind of story that should be that interesting as a movie um, because there's no shock, there's no, um, there's no smoking gun, there's no, um, shocking revelation, there's no bombshell, uh, there's no, you know, it's not a takedown, um, it is just a portrait of human decency, and how human decency endures over time. And we just see all of this embodied in the character of Fred Rogers and the body and the man uh, that was Fred Rogers um, as he just starts off to revolutionize children's programming by creating this show where he would just talk to kids on their level and um, and how he would, um, you know, sort of make them feel valuable and make them feel heard and uh, and the way that he would then use his program to sort of 
subversively um, sort of advocate for compassionate values across the political and social spectrum. Uh, he would tackle really difficult things like, uh, you know, assassinations would happen and he would show how it would be, you know, how he would use his puppets. Uh, this is the anti-Happy Time Murders. It really is. It would show, you know, how he would use his puppets to basically have these really hard-hitting but very simple and child-accessible conversations around, like, why do bad things happen? Um, you know, there's a scene where, uh, you know, one of the, the recurring characters in the show was a black mailman. Mm. And, um, Wait, really? Yeah. Was it Mr. McFeely? Wasn't he the mailman? Is that right? Was that the character's name? Yeah, different. Maybe they were. Maybe there are two mailmen. Anyway, maybe, I haven't seen maybe. the movie. Go on. So, um, so and then there's a you know there's a scene at the height of sort of like the late sixties, uh, where uh, Mister Rogers welcomes um welcomes the the black mailman to come and uh, sit next to him while Mister Rogers is soaking his feet in a little pool, and he invites the mailman to also join him, and the camera goes on a tight close up of their two of their feet side by side in this pool. Uh, at a time that interracial, uh, you know, the integrated pools mm. were very much a hot topic. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so he was able to find with, you know, with the greatest childlike simplicity, the real moral truth of matters um, by finding the humanity of it, just the shared humanity that cuts through uh, the hatred and the bigotry. And, uh, and the way that he modeled this across decades of television, uh, it's just, it is, we are parched, you know, we mm. as a country are just parched, uh, for I think actual decency. And, uh, and it's, it's been, it's now been, as I mentioned earlier, over a year and a half since we had any sort of decency modeled for us by any kind of leader that we had. And, um, and this is just, this is a tonic for the times that we live in. And uh, I think it's essential viewing. And it, it speaks not just to Mr. Rogers and his character, because you could even take a story like that, uh, you know, a, a person who has all the, who has these values and, and shared them for decades. Um, but if the movie was poorly made and if mm-hmm. it was really, you know, uh, ham fisted and, and cheesy right. and, and maudlin, it could have ruined something very important. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this documentary in itself, um, not just the subject matter, is right. a big win for you this year. It is, it is. And it's directed by Morgan Neville, who won an Oscar for Twenty Feet from Stardom. Mm. And mm-hmm. uh and and it is just yeah, it is it is must see. I I I am still shocked at how emotional it made me because as we know, I still can't cry, but it got me as close as I get probably <laughs> three or four times. Whoa. Um and never by being obvious, never by being, as you mentioned, ham fisted. Um, just by presenting the plain fact of Mr. Rogers and his patient wisdom. So, um, yeah, this is for sure also an asterisk title for me. I still haven't seen this one um, for this exact reason. I, I'm not quite, like, I know what's going to happen, um, and I'm not ready to go there yet. I'm going to use it for that day where I'm like, I need it needs it all needs to come out. I'm trying to it's think. It's going to be like my Okja of 2018. I'm trying to think there are any animals in it, though. I don't think, uh, I mean, but like, you know, Daniel, Lady Elaine, the whole, oh, sure. I mean, the, puppets. the whole thing is just yeah. the puppets of my heart and the puppets of my youth. And the funny thing is, though, like, even though it it's that it's like happy tears, uh, it's like oh, it's, yeah. it's not a movie that is going to pummel you and make you have sad tears. Like it's, you know, these are it's like you're just touched. You're crying at the beauty of what you're seeing. Oh, 100 percent. And like a little bit of like lost innocence in childhood, yeah, that whole sure. thing that comes up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I could see even like the beginning of Zootopia, happy tears mm-hmm. right off the right out of the gate. Mm. 
Um, okay. Next movie we have um, is Black Panther. Mm-hmm. This one is a, uh, a team agree. Team agree. We should also probably be saying if things are available in places yet. So every movie that we've mentioned, so, well, okay, Eighth Grade is still in theaters. And then Tully, Won't You Be My Neighbor, and Black Panther are all available on um, uh, Blu-ray, DVD, streaming, streaming services. Yeah. So yeah, um, Black Panther. Uh, this is this was the first mega good movie we had this year because this came out in I believe February. Wow, really yeah. that long ago? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, honestly, I don't even think it feels like it came out this year. No, yeah, it feels like years have passed um, mm-hmm. since Black Panther hit theaters. But it actually was this year. It was just as we're taping this. Like six months ago. And it's always hard to tell here. I don't know. It's like, oh, it's February, you know, because it was like 80 degrees outside when I saw it that Saturday morning. Right. Yes. And that's the the California uh, catch of not having seasonal markers to help mm. you figure out when your memories take place. It's a tough one. It is. Um, except for right now when it's super, super foggy, which we know means August. <laughs> uh, Black Panther. Uh, I mean, this is, what is there even to say about this one at this point? Uh, we all know... Uh, that it's a brilliant masterpiece. We all know that it changed the face of superhero cinema. Mm-hmm. We all know what a landmark it was for representation in front of the camera, behind the camera. What an all-star cast you have. What a beautiful design. Um, what an interesting what an interesting hero and, and villain character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what is what can we even say that we haven't said already? Did I even see it when it came out? I don't think so. I think I saw it later. Uh, yeah, I think you. Uh, yeah, I think you saw it later. And I think actually, when you saw, it, didn't you say you weren't like it didn't totally floor you? Yeah, I mean, I'm still not a superhero person. Sure. Um, at the end of the day, and it, it's always going to take a, a little extra reach for me to to get there. But uh, as I mentioned, I had a hard time getting to six. <laughs> right. So this one, you're just like. I, need, I should include this one. In yes. spite of myself. Right. In spite of like my my internal bias against superhero mm-hmm. movies. Uh, is this one that... So is this one that you... Let's see. So you, it, it is on your list. You're not disagreeing on this no, one. No, it is on my list. I mean, I, I, could, I could see it getting pushed out at the end of the year. Okay. And where do you stand on which of the two Best Picture Oscar categories you think it should be in? Because now... You mean most popular or yes. best picture? Best or most popular. So you can only be in one category? Well, I believe that the Oscars are saying that they, um, at this point, are saying that you could be considered in both. Um, but You it, have to be. Can you imagine like not getting a Best Picture nod just because you were also popular? But that's also what they think is going to happen in the same way citing the precedent of Best Animated Film. How as soon as that became its own category, no animated film was ever nominated for Best Picture again, even though technically it could be. And also like, okay, we go back to this whole discussion. Mm-hmm. We, Black Panther's good. You don't need to hear us talk <laughs> about it. Okay, so when's the cutoff date? Like when will you know? Wait, there, there's not a... Is, is, is it even like a an award like you'll just kn- know who won you count the box office titles like what are you waiting for i don't is know. it up to the moment they, that they open they haven't the- announced their criteria i don't think it's just like the top five highest grossing films of the year i think there's still going to be campaigns um and this year we're it's going to be we're all going to be guinea pigs watching what this is going to look like but Do you know la- if people will vote for it well i believe that what what disney has indicated is that they are running black panther for best picture they okay. are not interested in the consolation prize, despite the fact that they're the ones that push for its creation. They are not interested in uh, having it win best popular film. They want they they're like this is a best picture contender. We will be campaigning it as such. 
which, you know, which I think is as they should. Uh, I think it would be very insulting to Black Panther to to relegate it to that popular film category. People's Choice Award. The People's Choice Award, absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm cheering them on, and I hope that they make it, that they crack Best Picture, um, even though I can already sense, a, you know, another sort of long, um, animus-filled award season of uh, slings and arrows uh, about films that are recognized and films that are not. Um, it's going to be a ball. <laughs> we need answers. Another lighthearted uh, film uh, award season we need ahead of us. It's going to be real breezy, I think. So, yeah, that is Black Panther. And uh, that is actually not an asterisk title for me. Um, mm-hmm, but it is mm-hmm. on my list. And just a reminder, not asterisk means it could get pushed out. Yes, I'm not guaranteeing that Black Panther will make my top 10 at the end of the year. Um, now let's get to the Battle Royale movie we disagree with. Jason says Game Night? Game Night. Wow. Bold. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what can I say? I think that, so I, I, I put two studio comedies on this list. Neither are asterisk titles for me. Um, so I, they are not the ones I feel super strongly about, but you know, I just love a good comedy that works, that mm. actually is funny. Right. And, uh, and when those come from studios, then it can, there can be few joys, uh, more effervescent than a really good studio comedy. Uh, game night is exactly that game night is a, a terrific premise, uh, of, you know, this idea of a game night and these, you know, sundry characters converging for a game night that goes horribly wrong. Um, it is the kind of thing where I'm glad they did it right because it's a premise that people could only do once. Mm-hmm. And yep. the, the the example I always point to for one that was a great premise that was fucked royally oh, no. is Table Nineteen. Yep. Um, with you know the idea of that wedding that that table of wedding guests that are all outcasts who all barely got an invitation. Great premise, horrible execution. Game Night has you know a terrific premise and it follows it through. The execution of this film, it's so high energy, it's so inventive. The the comic energy just pulsing through the actors like what a terrific comedy ensemble cast this movie pulls together with jason bateman rachel mcadams sharon horgan uh billy magnuson uh you know kyle chandler jesse plemons friday night lights reunion uh it is it is it just works you know you have chelsea peretti in a small role uh it is i watched it again recently and i was every bit as delighted and charmed and um energized by it as i was when i first saw it uh and uh yeah i think it's just i think it's a gold standard title for what studio comedies should hope to accomplish Hmm. and it is also uh actually just very very funny and like we always say here the one true test of if a comedy is worthwhile is if it's funny which should be just a really like binary black and white thing um to judge but you know you have to actually be funny to be able to decide if that's true or not so i'm gonna go ahead and disagree with you jason Mm. i didn't find it very funny Mm. um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I like that noise though. Mm. Mm. So I started watching it with you, mm-hmm. and then I never felt inclined to go pick it back up and finish it off. That is a damn shame. I know. Yeah, I don't know what it is. It just didn't have a lot of spark for me. Um, I wasn't maybe charmed by the characters. Uh, maybe I, I was not in the mood to be Batemaned. Mm-hmm. Um, that, sometimes that can happen. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. Although I feel like in this case, though, he's not playing a Bateman asshole. He's playing hangdog mm. Michael Bluth Bateman. Absolutely, absolutely. Which is the more likable of the Batemans. Um, Lamorne Morris. 
from New Girl. I couldn't. I was gonna say Winston. <laughs> I was like, I, I didn't want to say Winston. I was like, what the fuck is his real name? Lamorne Morris. Yes. Yes. Um, also, is terrific in it. Um, I don't know. I think it was a comedy that I just maybe wasn't in the mood for. It is a studio comedy. No, no, no. it's not an okay. Oscar's title for me, but I do think you should give it a second shot because I just I can't help but think that you would enjoy it. Okay. Um, it's just yeah, it's just such a energetic smart funny comedy um that really pulls out the stops um lots of surprises lots of twists lots of fun filmmaking um uh tricks it is just an enjoyable mm-hmm. film um so yeah so my alternative for this spot um reminded me a lot of your description of won't you be my neighbor um and it I, there weren't very movies that we didn't agree on um mm-hmm. of my six um but this was one that i don't think you've seen um and i was not expecting to like i, I saw it almost begrudgingly and it was christopher robin oh, i can't believe you i know <laughs> i can't believe me um but it's so sweet like like I dare you to dislike this movie like we've seen a lot of children's movies we've seen more children's movies together than I would ever see by myself sure as an adult (laughs) since I was a child um but this is one where I'm like man I wish I had like a niece or something that I could take the take a take or two um it's just so precious and adorable you know it, it hits all my like my animal notes my puppet notes um it's beautiful, uh, it's sweet, and I don't know, it has good lessons. All of the women are like uh, career women. They, mm. He teaches his daughter that she should be, she should have a career, that she should work hard, almost to the point of, of fault where her work-life balance is Ooh. off the scales. Um, but it doesn't make any of those mistakes, you know, the movies that you sometimes be like, oh, why did you, why did you do that? Mm. They like put in people of color where they probably didn't even make sense given the time period right. and the location. Um it was just it felt really sweet Hmm. um yeah i feel like this is just an example of how sometimes the circumstances in which you watch a movie um shape your entire experience of it this is a movie that i think you know you were not it wasn't really on your radar i don't think no and you were just out and about with your girlfriend and oh don't even the two of you had a very fun time seeing this i'm saying that you were fooled (laughs) i'm saying you had a nice date night with (laughs) with soul and that led to you thinking this was a good movie (laughs) because you two watched together and we're like this is so nice first of all it was an afternoon Mm -hmm, exactly second of all um i think that here that's not true but i will say that it speaks to my uh, fragile emotional state that this felt like a like a big like bowl of warm soup at mm. a time when I felt like it was that's very necessary. You know, I don't begrudge you that, and I honor that. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never believe the look on Jason's face when I spit in it. Um, okay, <laughs> let's talk about a really funny movie now. Um, our next pick, which is The Death of Stalin. <laughs> now, this is a comedy, Jason. This is a comedy, yes. And this is one that I saw at TIFF last year. Ding. Uh, so, yeah, this is the uh, the latest film right, uh, written and directed by Armando Iannucci, mm. creator of Veep. Um, and this was, this is a film for this year also. In the, is there a new Veep coming? Y- yes, there is. Yeah. they. It's a final season. Uh, they're going to stop. No. I don't want them to ever stop, but they're going to. Um, in the meantime, we have Death of Stalin, which... And again, kind of a theme we're saying is also like the film of 2018, but mm. but in a completely opposite way uh, <laughs> from uh, from how Won't You Be My Neighbor and Christopher Robin are films of 2018, mm-hmm. wherein they sort of uphold the higher angels 
uh, of our uh, of our nature. And the death of Stalin is just a pitch perfect satire of everything terrible mm-hmm. about the state of America in 2018, despite the fact that it is not made by Americans, nor does it take place in America. No, but yeah, it has it has enough of a distance to make to make you not feel terrible the whole time. Mm-hmm. It that it's enough of a distance to make you laugh at it and not not be like, oh, groan. This is what we're going through now mm-hmm. because it's set in a, in a particular time and place, and it's so absurd. Yeah, it is. It is. It feels so absurd. And there is that historical remove and it looks different than it does now. Um, and uh, and I think uh, <laughs> I think as our, our store review of it um, uh, describes it as, quote, uncomfortably timely in its depictions of leaders who are as corrupt as they are incompetent. <laughs> and that just about says it. It really does. It just it about really does her. Does. That yep. is exactly what makes it so remarkable. And also... Um, I feel like probably every time we watch it, it's going to get more and more chilling just because the president continually um, gets more and more comfortable embracing strongman authoritarian mm-hmm. um, practices and posturing. And um, and so and since this movie is about, you know, one such uh, awful dictator, uh, Stalin, and um, the sort of just the army of sycophantic goons that attended his every move and that then and you know and then you know talked about him behind his back of course and we're like oh how do you gotta you know keep crazy you know keep him happy what we're we gonna do uh but then also like i'm gonna out you to him if you say anything so basically the, the exact stuff that we imagine all the goons in the white house carrying on um you know trying to keep trump's thin skin petulant temper under control while also jockeying for their own positions of power right um and uh you know of course the widespread unprecedented levels of corruption uh mm-hmm. it is it is it is a mirror <laughs> this is a mirror really movie is. um that happens to have been um fortunately is being told from the razor sharp mind of armando Iannucci. one thing i forget about this movie is how violent it is also yeah it has in particular one scene the very end mm-hmm. that is startlingly violent mm-hmm. and there's like a couple of references to uh, just like human atrocities that mm-hmm. um, at the time you're like, ha ha. And then you're like, whoa, wait a minute. What am I laughing at? This yeah. A bit intense. I wouldn't say it's disrespectful or in bad taste necessarily, but it toes the line, I think, pretty close. Yeah. I mean, I think it's very much sort of, a, you know, like a Dr. Strangelove. It's sort of like mm-hmm. a, you know, it, it's using uh, the reality of military horror um, as um, a backdrop for this sort of um, yeah absurdist satire, mm-hmm. where you know you all you have to you have to be able to find a way to laugh at it to like not lose your mind, right? And right. so in this case, it's you know having these Sorkin esque walk and talks happen while strolling through a house of torture, right? Where you know you just see people errantly being tossed down flights of stairs while you know while the two characters we're following are having this like just off the cuff banter. Um, you know, and then making very casual references to, you know, raping female prisoners and, mm-hmm. um, and, uh, you know, killing roomfuls of people. And, um, and I think that that's part of how he has to make the pill go down, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. Iannucci in this story. And then, you know, he does build up to a moment of, of, of stunning gravity, uh, with a, a murder that happens at the end of the film. It reminds me a little bit. I saw a documentary this weekend. It's on Netflix. I can't think of the name of it for life. I mean, it's, it's all about like, um, who can tell a Holocaust joke? They mm. have like um, who's that? Carl Reiner and um, Sarah Silverman. They have all mm-hmm. these like, Gilbert Gottfried comedians talking, and then they have a Holocaust survivor, 
and then uh, things that she thinks are funny, things she thinks are not funny, mm. her story. Oh, wow. Um, and it's, you know, they go through the, like, the science of comedy and, like, these are the, you know, if you're going to tell a joke about this, it has to be that, mm. like, it's so sublime and it can't be lazy. And then some people, like, will joke about Nazis, but you can't. And then they talk about springtime for Hitler and so all, all of these things. And, and now sort of revisiting uh, Death of Stalin seems to kind of have that similar they do it so well and and it's not they're not doing the jokes at the expense of the people that are victims of right. the gulag it's like a, a reminder that in these moments of like absolute horror there's also like absolute incompetence happening right because really um, yeah the joke is never like oh ha 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 these poor peasants were caught up in this you know military coup right um, it's always like these are look at the level of incompetence that is that is the the standard for the men that are running this entire show yeah and uh, and what do they really want and what's motivating them and uh you know what are they up to um and uh did in that documentary that you watched did sarah silverman tell any holocaust jokes uh she did yeah um they showed a few from her uh what's the the jesus is magic i think oh yeah um special because when we had our meet and greet with her a few years ago when she was um going around for i smile back um, she told one to the assembled film critic circle of San oh, Francisco. Wow. Yes, <laughs> she, anything's an audience. Um, and uh, well, because I think somebody asked her like, "What was her favorite offensive joke?" And oh then, wow! And then she told a Holocaust joke, and then which was a very funny joke. Um, but then, um, unfortunately, that opened the floodgates and made certain senior members of the film critic circle think that it was now their turn. No, to try telling Holocaust jokes, and no. that's when it got real painful. And she just had to be like, yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Um, you know, you just saw regret wash over her. Like, oh, I shouldn't have told the Holocaust joke. Nope. Oh, they think they can do it now. Let Sarah Silverman tell them. That's what I say. Speaking of comedy. Yes. We have another, we have a back-to-back comedy uh, set. This one submitted by uh, one Jason Leroy. The movie is Blockers. Ooh, Blockers. Blockers, blockers, blockers. Uh, the other of my two studio comedies on my list this year. Uh, this one being directed by Kay Cannon, who I'm a longtime fan of from her work on 30 Rock and the Pitch Perfect movies, or at least the first Pitch Perfect movie. Second two are garbage. Um, this is just another example of studio comedy done so, so right. Uh, and in this case, not only uh, is it a matter of it being told with energy and verve, and just having such a funny, funny script uh, that's performed by a truly outstanding ensemble of comic actors. Um, but this one is also important in the sense that it shows how you can have a movie be super uh, inclusive and mm. affirming uh, and still have it be an absolute laugh riot. Uh, because, you know, in this movie, we have, uh, you know, we have a diverse uh, array of teenagers. We have, uh, you know, so we have three teenage girls, one of whom is just classic, you know, Aryan princess. Uh, <laughs> uh, classic, okay. Classic, go-to. Um, one of whom is a, is a woman of color uh, who's, uh, who is a, a mixed-race teenager who's, uh, whose father is John Cena and whose mother is played by the actress who is now going to be the lead on a new Amy Poehler-produced sitcom called I Feel Bad. Uh, and then the uh, third girl is a lesbian, and uh, and so, so <laughs> just uh, those three archetypes. Yeah, you know, classic go to. <laughs> so an Aryan, so an Aryan, a mixed race girl and a lesbian walk into a bar, and what happens? Blockers, blockers happens. Uh, so uh, this is just a movie that it also takes a really refreshingly sort of, um, you know, it has a focus on female agency and sex mm. and confronts. 
uh, long-standing cultural double standards around permission uh, behavior that is celebrated in boys and condemned in girls and uh, challenges that upends it tears it apart um, builds a new uh, fresh start out of it um, a lot of heavy lifting a lot of heavy lifting and uh, but the movie does it uh, quite nimbly uh, this is and you are uh, agreeing with me on this one I haven't seen it oh you still haven't seen it mm-hmm. ah see so, yeah, that that's uh, so that's why it was so puzzling to hear me just start talking about Arians I see mm-hmm. uh, I shouldn't at this point I don't know why I should be the script you use always mm-hmm. uh, so yeah um, everyone's fantastic you know we have Leslie Mann doing her thing the way only she can Ike Barinholtz bringing unexpected heart to his character. Mm-hmm. Um, lovely cameo from June Diane Raphael. Just everyone. Everyone's doing fantastic work in this movie. Um, and uh, yeah, so this and Game Night are my two studio comedies to beat this year. And given the studio comedies tend to trickle to uh, to a halt over the fall, I feel like these two will remain my favorites of 2018. And I will also note that both The Death of Stalin and Blockers are in their home video window as we speak. All right. And Game Night is also in its home video window, and Christopher Robin is still in theaters. Uh, This next movie is also still in theaters, I believe, uh, maybe at the cusp, um, which is Sorry to Bother You. This one is a ding, ding, double binge. Mm -hmm. We both voted for this one. Double binge. (laughs) Binge to binge. Um, Jason. I'm trying to think wait did we not see this one together oh we did see it together the, i saw it by myself first and then we watched oh, it together it. with ingu oh right uh what an exciting ride uh in spite of my low-key um uh rivalry with uh boots riley right. yes. uh his director attempt, his attempts to wreck your home mm-hmm. very recent still mm-hmm. better stay away from teacup uh he <laughs> there i was fist clenched <laughs> nostrils flared (laughs) honoring that moment um what a fun exciting movie this is an asterisk one for me because of its ambition and its freshness um Mm. and its excitement and i i can't see something like that happening at the end of the year um because the end of the year is a little bit more maybe a little more stodgy yeah yeah a little bit more establishment like we're saying there probably won't be a comedy out of the second half of the year that will knock these out so this will probably still hold on to its places as most original um mm-hmm. and most exciting of the year yeah i think you're probably right about that because i think that we do look to this is sort of like the sundance dream that we all hope for every year that some just fresh new voice with a completely original vision will just will just show up and show out mm-hmm. and that is what boots riley did when he brought sorry to bother you to sundance this year and um and you know it's it has uh had quite a reception certainly here in the bay area mm-hmm. uh it's been very formative um it's had a lot of people talking and a lot of people just generally excited i think you know people it's it's nice to be excited about where you are and mm-hmm, i think mm-hmm. that oakland in particular um of course generally doesn't feel super represented by movies and right, you know, lives for in Fruitvale station and Korea. <laughs> right. right except for the cinema of ryan googler right. and now this and also blind spotting mm-hmm. and uh so but no you know oakland of course says you know lives in the shadow of san francisco mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh and now there's just so much um yeah there's just more and more of a, an emerging sense of just pride and excitement uh in and around oakland 
and uh, the movies that have come out that are set in Oakland this year, uh, two of which are on this list. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the other one knows what it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, you know, it's yeah, it's just an exciting time, and uh, and I, I, I genuinely am very curious to see what Boots Riley will do after this. Uh, because how do you follow a movie like this? I don't know. I don't know. Like, I mean, he might, it might be his miseducation of Lauren Hill. He might just drop this and be done with it. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, that is totally fine. Cause I think, you know, he's a multimedia artist. He is, you know, he is an active, he's active in music, he's active in writing. Mm-hmm. Now he's active at having made a film. And, uh, if this were it, if he just leaves this, uh, then that would be, uh, more than I have done. <laughs> by a lot, by a lot. By a long shot. Uh, so yeah, I'm a big fan of this movie and I think, you know, we, we certainly agree that it, um, you know, swings for a bit more than it can fully execute, but that's, you know, but it's, I'd rather a movie have more ideas, more excitement that maybe it doesn't fully realize than to have not enough. This movie's also hilarious. Very Um, funny. I would put this as, um, I don't even know. It's a comedy. It's a sci-fi. Yeah. yeah. Surrealist. Um, Yeah. It is, yeah. It's just one of a kind. It is truly a one really of a kind is. movie. And it is also still in theaters. Still in theaters. Jason, the next one, Laugh Riot, First Reformed, your pick, and an asterisk. <laughs> yeah. It's a real crack em up. It is a real crack em up. And uh, this is another one that I think that you would like. Because, you mm-hmm. know, when we mm-hmm. watched it with some friends recently, the first question, like five minutes of the movie, was Has Rebecca seen this? Really? Yes. I have not. No. I also don't know if I can. <laughs> why i don't know it seems like it's a bit much as well a bit much emotionally oh i mean i don't know i mean i think that i mean you really love a grim religious fable i do you do you know me you really do know me <laughs> i do i do love that i paid attention and this is the grimmest of religious fables it's the grimmest the most religious and the most fabulist <laughs> okay I'm, a, I'm in it's a classic triple threat is this one available to rent it is oh well well i guess i have my night planned out for me <laughs> You're like, I'm going to get fucked up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, this is uh, the new film from Paul Schrader, who is a longtime uh, sort of veteran filmmaker who is most known for having written Scorsese films like Taxi Driver and mm-hmm. Raging Bull. And um, and this is very much in keeping with those kinds of stories where we have this sort of like this battered um, male protagonist going through a dark night of the soul, uh, trying to find meaning and purpose in a, in a broken world. Uh, and, uh, and it, it takes this particular story takes some very surprising turns, uh, as it goes along. Uh, and because we're following this character played by Ethan Hawke in one of the best, if probably not the best performance he's ever given. Another thing that should be for sure in awards conversations at the end of the year, uh, as he plays a priest at a tiny parish in upstate New York, uh, who goes in this sort of remarkable journey after, uh, an encounter with a parishioner reveals, uh, this kind of world of environmental radicalism uh, and, uh, and it sort of dovetails with these conflicts he's been having with this mega church that owns his church and is kind of using him essentially as like a museum curator to run this tiny parish mm. um, while they, you know, just siphon money off of giant corporations to help pay their bills and look the other way in terms of biblical calls to environmental stewardship. And, uh, and it is, it is just an absolute masterpiece. Uh, I yeah, it it gives me chills. It is just formally such a brilliant film, um, and it also, despite how sort of stead that it appears, because it's even it's even shot in like a four three aspect ratio, and you know every frame is just so. 
um, but it has two sequences, one in the middle and one at the very end, that are just absolutely batshit. And, Chaos. And will just make you be like, what the fuck am I watching? Um, and uh, But that's all in keeping with, uh, with Schrader's vision for this movie. And uh, he's, he's sort of a fan of um, transcendentalism as expressed in cinema. Mm. And that kind of comes to bear in these two scenes in particular. Uh, but yeah, it's just, and this is not, this is not a movie to throw on in the background. This is a movie that demands full patience and attention. Um, but in my estimation, it fully rewards them. And, uh, it is just, just a complete masterpiece that I am 100% comfortable saying will be on my top 10 list this year. I'm very excited. I won't let the year pass without seeing this one. And it is, you said it is uh, available now to rent. It is on, yes, it is in its home video window. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, Jason, here it comes. Battle Royale number two. This is the second part of the show. It's going to be absolutely bad shit. <laughs> um, Jason says Three Identical Strangers, and Rebecca says Scotty and the Secret History of Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Putting up our documentary fights. Ooh, I like it. Uh, yeah, as you know, I'm also a big fan of Scotty. Um, but I think Three Identical Strangers I would pick over Scotty just because I think structurally as a documentary film, uh, I think that the way that the director has edited it, uh, it together and pieced together the different threads of the story in the way that he, um, you know, sort of honors the um, sort of the thriller experience of the movie, you know, that he, uh, and I think that we said when we reviewed it that, yeah, in some ways you could say that he almost prioritizes the mm-hmm. uh, emotional experience of the viewer over um, the... Um, I don't know what you could call it, the the basic human dignity of the, uh, <laughs> the of the subjects, subjects yeah. of the subjects. Um, that's your cup of tea. That's your cup of tea. Listen, um, but I don't know that I even. But I don't know that I agree with that because I, I, there was no point where I was like, "Oh, he did those guys dirty." No. Um, you know, I think that you know that could be more easily said of Whitney uh, than it could be of this. Um, don't introduce a straw man. <laughs> no, <there's... laughs> You're like, don't, don't come at me with your whataboutism. <laughs> there's one point in the movie where he shows them a clip that they, that we've already seen as the audience. And at the end of the day, that clip isn't so crazy that it feels weird that we saw it first. I didn't like knowing that I did. Um, but it, even though it has the, a very sensational uh, feel to it, at the end of the day, no, it, it doesn't feel particularly disrespectful to the subjects. Right. Yeah, I don't think it's exploitative. Uh, I think that it, it it tells one of the craziest true stories that any of us will ever hear in our entire lives. And I think it tells it um, with all the, yeah, with all like the heart pounding suspense and like mind blowing what the fuck moments uh, of a, just a really well made thriller. So I think that it, it it has its cake and eats it too in a way that I think is remarkable. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's the kind of thing you just want to call your friends and you know, just don't see this movie. Just let me tell you what happens in it so I can just get the, the joy of, of watching you um, react with shock uh, to all of this, except for, as you might remember, I did ruin that for Rebecca. Yeah. So uh, as the victim of that person, <laughs> of that experience, don't do that to your friends. Or else they won't agree when you want to put that movie on your best of year list. And they're like, I already, it was great. The first time I heard it, when it was on Inside Edition or whatever TV show, I guess these right. guys were also profiled on. Right. Or in the first time that Rebecca heard it, of course, was when I, who had seen this movie, and Heidi, who had seen Inside Edition, commenced to tell Rebecca in concert. It was Nightline. Uh, or yeah, Nightline, mm-hmm. right? Not Inside Edition, yeah. You know, John Stossel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, it kind of sucked a little bit of the the wind out of the movie for me. I, I do apologize for that. Scotty, I feel like we had so much to say after that movie. 
about the way the movie sets up the then and now, about what it means to respect someone's privacy, about like the considerations that he took. Oh, so this movie is documentary about Scotty Bowers, um, World War II veteran who lands in Hollywood, works at a gas station, turns it into a brothel to the stars, um, providing gay escorts um, to all of Hollywood's leading men and some leading ladies. Um, and his crazy stories, um, his reconnections with old friends, um, his own life, which is which you see an interesting slice of, um, both sad and and funny. Um, raccoons eating a, a large um, birthday cake that is a, involves a novelty penis and a telephone. Mm-hmm. Classic, classic movie trope of. Um, raccoon uh, savagery mm-hmm. um yeah we just left this movie with so so many interesting questions and it was also not very heavily handily heavy handily profound mm-hmm. um it was a real delight i enjoyed it and you know there's that moment those are moments you're having that like the excitement of listening to hollywood gossip um mm-hmm. even though the stories weren't incredibly you know groundbreaking they were all people you've you've heard before but yeah but that aside uh it was absolutely um it you know it, i will say that i think that it meanders a bit more i think like it's it's such a study in opposites um a study in contrast with identical strangers which has like mm-hmm. such a very locked in sense of storytelling from frame one and never veers from that track i think the um it's the scotty film is a bit more leisurely and meandering but i think that in that way it captures its subject who they himself is like, leisurely and meandering i think of your movie and i think of these like three really intense guys mm-hmm. living in new york and that right. this movie is like really fast-paced and like re- like you said really laser focused and then i see this as like Get in the old car. Right. We're taking a drive from LA to Palm Springs, <laughs> and let me tell you a oh, bunch of fucking stories and show dream. you some photos. Can you imagine driving to Palm Springs with Scotty Bowers? Oh my god, that's all I want to do. Oh my god! While you're leafing through old photo books, looking at like a young uh, shirtless Clark Gable. I hope he gets on Cameo. I would buy a Cameo from Scotty Bowers. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Uh, that's a it's a service where you can buy video greetings from like a, a variety of celebrities. Oh, nice. Um, be like, oh, I'm it's so and so's birthday. Uh, you know, will you say happy birthday and also call him an asshole or you know, whatever, and then you just have whatever celebrity do your bidding for you. Oh, nice. Scotty Bowers should get on Cameo if you're listening, Scotty Bowers. Uh, yeah, I, I was a big fan of that and, uh, and I have no problem whatsoever with it being included here. Uh, I'm a little surprised that you, I wasn't sure if you would consider including, um, support the girls or skate kitchen or some movies that you've watched I recently do, that you really liked. I did think about those, um, did you finish support the girls? No, not yet. <laughs> there hasn't been any time. Support me. God damn it. Um, <laughs> support this girl. <laughs> come on. <laughs> Help me out. Give me a couple of extra hours. Any day. Um, I thought about that a lot. I, I feel like there's still room at the end of the year for yeah. a revisit. Because um, I haven't finished it yet. <laughs> right. Now, Skate Kitchen, I also thought about it as well um, around, uh, in contrast to eighth grade, especially. Because um, I do think, again, it's like so important of a movie just to have this like great buddy buddy film um, for lady skateboarders. Mm-hmm. Um, but let's see. Let's see how the rest of the year shakes out. Yes, yes. You have lots of visits, revisits, and visit completions mm-hmm. uh, on your Just that. Yeah, and new movies to come. It's going to be great. Um, it Jason, is. enjoy yourself at TIFF. Be safe. Thank you. Come back if you feel like it. If not, we'll figure out what to do. I appreciate that. And guys, there you go. There is our list of the best movies of the year so far, and also Christopher Robin. Uh, <laughs> th- <laughs> thank you, Rebecca, for, uh, for joining me today uh, for this taping. Thank you. 
And uh, guys, I am I veered into an area I don't know what to do with, yeah, which is please, doing the wrap up. You're like, oh, go ahead, talk shit on my movie, and then you, yeah, I'll leave you alone. Go for uh, it. So go ahead and uh, subscribe to us and leave a, a leave a review if you like what we do. Oh boy. Um, I am on Twitter at excessfaggage. I should make you say it since you always make me say it. And uh, Rebecca is at fight balance. Uh, and, uh, and Rebecca is just, is just really enjoying watching this play out right now. Please go on. <laughs> Anything else you want to say? Oh, let me think. God, is there? Um, yeah. Thanks. Thanks to everyone who is listening. Thanks for staying wow. with us so far this year and, uh, and, and listening to our views of the movies we talked about tonight. Jesus Christ. No wonder I shut it down. <laughs> Would never finish the show. I'm trying to thank our listeners. Say goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Jason. Bye-bye. Binging on movies with Rebecca and Jason. You made it to the end, that's amazing. There, there goes, goes the, the binge. binge.